Anyway, some Confederate sympathizer attempted to set fire to the museum, failed, ah. tried again, and succeeded. Hmm. Uh, it's not so great. Okay. But it is a spectacular tale. <laughs> uh, the fire was apparently so hot that it boiled the beluga whales alive. Oh my God. Flaming animals were jumping from the windows <laughs> and being shot by police officers. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, oh but God. it's awful! <laughs> Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where you pick... Blah. 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 I'll get it, don't worry, it's at the beginning. Yeah. Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. You're a madman! <laughs> if, only, if only that were true, at least we'd have explained some of the self-destructive behavior. <laughs> Always focusing on yourself. Uh, yep, Classic. We hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? We have P.T. Barnum and Leonard A. Funk. And tell us, James, which of these men knows how to funk? Barack Obama. <laughs> Get real. Barry doesn't know how to funk. All presidents know how to funk. I mean, come on. Name a president who hasn't funked up. Donald J. To the history lab. Two men. One an American soldier with an unquenchable thirst for Nazi blood. The other a showman and huckster known for running wild events for people who never left their hometown. Their names? Leonard Funk and P.T. Barnum. In a tournament of absolute bat shittery, only one can be the best batshit boy known to bros. <laughs> So, Aaron, if I had to describe your preferred way of locomotion, uh, getting around places, I would say it would be a three-hooved camel that's <laughs> suffering from appendicitis. Oh, well, that's much better than what I was going to say about you, because I was going to say you just, your preferred method of oh, locomotion no. is to just get an oar and paddle yourself around, <laughs> just dragging your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and kicking uh, into the air helplessly. Yeah, well. Also screaming. <laughs> In pain. That's definitely <laughs> what it is. So, uh, uh, okay. Uh, computer, bring up uh, Leonard Funk and P.T. Barnum. Affirmative, my lord. So, uh, we're looking at P.T. Barnum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's best known for being a circus master and starting a circus that ended up merging with another circus that became the Ringling Brothers. Oh, okay, I've heard of them. Yeah, so this establishment was known as the uh, P.T. Barnum's Grand Traveling Museum Menagerie Caravan and Hippodrome. Ah, yes, <laughs> a lot. Wow, that's uh, a lot. And let me tell you what he looks like. Please do. He looks like a stern turnip. Mm. <laughs> Again with the turnips. Uh, his hair was stolen from George Washington and dyed black. Actually? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> but we'll get there. Oh. <laughs> Looks like he's murdered about ten nuns and never ate candy. Uh, okay. There's a gleam in his eye, like he enjoys looking like a pissed off frozen burrito. 
I don't know what any of that means, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> okay. So uh, what is yes. Leonard Alfred Funk Jr. best known for? Leonard Alfred Funk Jr. is best known for being an American World War II Medal of Honor recipient. <laughs> That's it? No. <laughs> uh, so what does he look like? He looks like uh, what you would get if you combined a G.I. Joe with 500 tons of liquid testosterone. Jesus Christ! Yep, I'm not, he's not joking around. That sounds impressive. Yeah. So uh, how about we just roll right over into P.T. Barnum's early life? Okay, I, I'm pretty excited about this because you have not shut up about how insane oh, this individual oh, is. Oh, believe me. Believe me, <laughs> it just gets crazier with every sentence. Okay. Guaranteed. Well, go on. So we'll start with stuff that's not that crazy, okay? Okay. Fine. Such Fair as enough. that P.T. Barnum actually stands for Phineas Taylor Barnum. Hmm. Uh, and he was born in Bethel, Connecticut in July of 1810 to a father named Philo or Philo hmm. or something okay. and a mother named Irene. Uh, he went to school, but was apparently really not great at math, and Wikipedia makes a big point of this for some reason. <laughs> Odd. I don't know. He's just not very good at math, yeah. Um, he was also, like, no help at home because he hated physical labor. Oh. Uh, however, he had a grandfather that he really got along with because he was all about getting money for doing virtually nothing. Okay. Uh, he was a lottery schemer and taught Barnum how to influence people using deception. Good good grandfatherly yeah, yeah. advice. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to skip ahead like 18 years. Ah. So at 19, <laughs> Barnum got married. Good for him. Uh, and at this point, he actually owned several businesses due to his ability to manipulate people. Okay. Uh, he was just an excellent salesman. Uh, okay. He owned a general wow. store, a real estate operation of sorts, a book auction, and hmm. also a statewide lottery. Wow. Uh, but even this, while great, was not without its speed bumps. At this time, the late 1820s, Calvinists were attempting to pass some blue laws. Okay. Now, for those of you who don't know, blue laws are typically religiously motivated laws that ban things particular religions don't like. Hmm. For okay. example, some states in America don't allow the sale of liquor on Sundays or after 9 p.m. and things like that. Yeah, Isn't that Indiana? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Indiana has some blue laws. Texas has some blue oh, laws. Yeah. Um, but these blue laws, however, were targeting, in particular, gambling and lotteries. Mm. So Barnum is in the crosshairs. Mm. Yeah, so he does what any of us would, and he starts a newspaper to bash these Calvinists and oh. their blue law-seeking <laughs> asses. Uh. And it's called, appropriately, The Herald of Freedom! Nice. Yeah, he wrote dozens of nasty editorials about Calvinists and the proponents of his blue laws. Or of their blue laws, sorry. Um, but he went a little too far, apparently, because he ended up in prison for oh. two months on charges of libel. Okay, then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, was he predestined to do this? <laughs> that's a Calvinism <laughs> joke, everyone. Uh, uh, however, his heroic defenses of the freedom of lottery did not go unnoticed. Good. And people began describing him as a mover and a shaker in the liberal movements going on in America. This will come up again later. Hmm. However, lotteries still ended up being banned in Connecticut. So... Uh, and the lottery, I should say, so it was bad for Barnum. Uh, okay, the lottery right. was actually Barnum's main source of income. And even though he could have stuck it out and just run his other businesses, Barnum wasn't going to live in a state with no scratch offs. Mm. So he packs up his bags, sells his store, and moves to Gambling Central, New York City. Mm, okay. You thought I was going to say Las Vegas, didn't you? I mm. thought so. Yeah, but no, New York City. Uh, and that's where we'll leave our friend Barnum for now. And we'll hand the reins on over to James to talk about Leonard A. Funk Jr. Uh, so far, Aaron, I gotta say, not too impressed. I mean, okay, I love the whole, you know, get angry at Calvinist thing, but yes. <laughs> not as insane as you kind of made me think. Well, we'll get there. Just, just hold on. Fair enough. So tell us about Leonard Funk. Uh, Leonard Funk, uh, we... Okay, let's, uh, let's start. We have pretty much nothing about this dude's early life. <laughs> he was born in the good old American town of Braddock Township, Pennsylvania, on August 27th, 1916. 
And that's about all we have. Oh. <laughs> uh, yes. But in 1941. Oh, okay. So skipping, what, 35, 35 years? I can't. I can't. 30, 25, 25 years. years. Yeah. Christ. I'm as bad as P.T. Barnum. <laughs> <laughs> but that might be good news for me if I'm uh, like P.T. Barnum in a lot of ways. We'll see. In a lot of ways. I didn't say always. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So yeah, skipping 25 years, in 1941, Funk joined the United States Army, and in 1942, he volunteered to be a paratrooper. Oh. He completed his training, and in 1943, he was sent to Britain to join up with the 82nd Airborne Division. Now, the 82nd Airborne Division is famous for being in multiple battles and being pretty much entirely ignored in Band of Brothers. <laughs> True, it's not the 101st, but just wait. I swear this is worth your time. The year is 1944. Europe lays in ashes as the armies of the Reich continue to dominate that mainland. But there's hope for the hopeless. Aaron, tell the audience what happened in 1944. Oh, I know this one! George W. Bush declared war on fun! What? <laughs> yeah! You're a f***. No, D-Day happened. On June 6th, 1944, Leonard Funk parachuted into France as part of the beginning of Operation Overlord. Oh, I can tell this is going to be really exciting. It is, and we'll stop here. Oh my god, that's nothing at <laughs> all. Oh, talk a take a break. Oh god, already? Uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like we should take a break. Yeah, we've done a lot of content. We're and, lazy you know, fucks. We're lazy fucks, and you know we got to go get our nicotine and our bullshit like that. Mm, yep. Smoke every day, kids. It will not give you cancer. <laughs> we can't. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. No. no. Come on. We're gonna cut right now. And we are back to we talk about dead people. And when we left off, we were talking about Leonard Funk. And now we're back to talking about P.T. Barnum. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, adult life. Yeah. Let's so dive into it. You are going to just get ready. Just get okay, ready. Okay, I'm sitting down. I am ready for insanity. And you know what? Here's what I want you to do. Uh -huh. I want you to close that not script of yours. Okay. And I want you to just listen and react. Just, you know, just listen. Okay? I don't know anything about this guy, audience, and that's that's the honest truth. That's the God's honest truth. I wouldn't tell him, even though he offered to give me cocaine, if I would tell him. But True story. Uh, the, the truth is I get my cocaine elsewhere, and he doesn't know that, so... Uh, anyway, <laughs> P.T. Barnum. Uh-huh. Barnum is in New York City and is looking for his next gig. He finds that he's really good at getting people's attention still and running shows, so he does what most people would do. Yeah. He buys a paralyzed slave woman uh -oh. <laughs> what the fuck? named Joyce Heth, who is told, who he is told, I should say, uh, was George Washington's nurse. Um, okay. It's now, the 1800s. It's, yes. <laughs> so, I'm taking... It's not actually the nurse. Or is it? Huh? What? What? Is she actually the nurse? Don't just wait. Oh, okay. So, uh, whether he believed it or not, uh, he <laughs> thought he could make a quick buck off of her. Okay. So, he parades her around, making the ludicrous claim that this poor woman was George Washington's nurse. Hmm. And uh, by Barnum's estimation, this would make her about 160 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, she was not that old, but at Barnum's command, she told stories about how she dressed up little George and sang hymns to him at night. Hmm. And what's sort of interesting is that Heth was actually totally on board with it. Uh, like, oh, when I first cool. read this, I'm like, oh, he bought a slave, right? And, right. You know, but 
Uh, Barnum actually paid her, uh, handsomely, $1,500 a week, Holy fact, shit! Which in old-timey money is, like, a whole lot, dude. I mean, that's, like, nearly 40000 today. So, wow. if I offered you $40,000 a week to pretend to be George Washington's nurse... I would say yes before you could finish that goddamn yep, sentence. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but she was still super old and ended up dying in 1836. Oh. Now, the skeptics of New York City wanted Barnum to prove that this woman was actually 160. Sure. So, Barnum... Did what we would all do. Mm -hmm. uh, he organized an event where the body would be autopsied in front of 1,500 people in a goddamn saloon. <laughs> in a saloon? <laughs> okay. And he charged 50 cents a head for admission. Huh. Uh, of course, the doctor who performed the autopsy found out the truth, and because Barnum had failed to pay him off, the doctor announced that the claim was a fraud, mm. to which Barnum replied that obviously the body was a fake, and Joyce Heth was actually still alive on tour in Europe. Oh, okay. Barnum later admitted this was all a hoax. Ah. Not, not a great start, I'll, I'll say. No, not a great start, okay. but it began crazy and wait until it gets crazier. Mm -hmm. But Barnum now had money, so he started a show called Barnum's Grand Scientific and Musical Theater, hmm. which didn't do so great. Okay. 1837 was a difficult time, uh, but Barnum did not give up. He bought a little museum called Scudder's American Museum, which was known for basically being a freak show. Okay, this sounds good. Yep, it's getting there. So <laughs> he kept the museum part of it, uh, at least sections of it, and added a zoo, a lecture hall, a wax museum, and a theater. He okay. populated the halls nice. with dioramas, panoramas, something called cosmoramas, which are just, Whoa, I think, things that just look like space. <laughs> uh, fake science-y looking things, modern appliances, a flea circus, a loom run by a dog, a tree trunk that Jesus sat on, an <laughs> oyster bar, gun range, waxworks, glass blowers, taxidermists, <laughs> phrenological displays, and pretty babies. <laughs> and pretty babies? <laughs> yeah. That comes up again later. <laughs> oh, right next to the stump that Jesus sat on. <laughs> he had a train seal named Ned, a mermaid made out of a monkey and a fish Frankenstein together, <laughs> beluga whales in an aquarium, Native Americans who perform traditional dances and rituals, trained bears, magicians, fat children, automatons, exotic women, ventriloquists, and it gets stupid here, blackface minstrels who perform biblical uh, tales. Yeah, not so tasteful, but that will come up again later, trust me. Okay. Uh, he put a lighthouse on top of the building to attract more business. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Did. Just a fucking lighthouse on top of the museum? Uh, there, were animals, there were animals painted on all the windows, and the roof was set up as a lounge for people uh, to wait for their fucking hot air balloon ride what? that launched from the roof. <laughs> what? Yup. He hired and trained a boy with dwarfism to act like Hercules and Napoleon, claiming he was the smallest person ever. Barnum named the kid General Tom Thumb and taught him how to smoke cigars and drink wine for the amusement of his customers. He was like seven. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. So Barnum actually took Tom Thumb on a trip abroad, attempted to buy William Shakespeare's house, didn't, and instead bought several new museums. I know. Isn't this ridiculous? I don't know what to say. I know. There's nothing to say. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing with my life? Not being P.T. Barnum, no. I'll tell you that. <laughs> While abroad, he met a singer named Jenny Lind and offered her $1,000 a night for 150 nights, all expenses paid to sing at his museum and on tour. Okay. He is quoted as saying that because she was legendarily devout as a Christian, she would be good for America's morals. Hmm. Uh, she pretty much became a celebrity as soon as she arrived in America and went on tour for Barnum for quite a while, but ended up severing ties with him because he was way too much of a profiteer in her uh, eyes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Barnum used this money he earned uh, with Jerry, Je Jerry, God, Jenny Lind, uh, and she made a lot of money too. Um, okay. But anyway, so they Is built she another singer? 
Uh, the same same person. Oh, right, Jenny right, right, right. Yeah, Not Jerry, Jerry and Jenny Lynn. <laughs> yes. um, so he built a theater with all this money, uh, and he called it the Moral Lecture Room. Mm. His first show was called The Drunkard, and it was basically an oh, anti-alcohol yes. lecture <laughs> slash dramatization. Oh, yes. I know. <laughs> the Moral uh. Lecture Room went on to be used for flower shows, beauty contests, dog shows, poultry contests, and baby contests. <laughs> So they would have like the the closest twins and the fattest babies and prettiest babies and ugliest babies what? and all that shit. Yeah, people loved babies last that back okay. then, and they had a lot more of them too. Uh, so you get a lot more baby contests. Is what I'm saying. Okay, uh, however, th- however, things went bad one day when Barnum made a bad investment in a clock company and lost a whole lot of money. Huh. Uh, many of Barnum's critics used this opportunity to say that God was finally getting his revenge on a morally bankrupt profiteer. Ah. But Tom Thumb, remember Tom Thumb? Yeah, the little Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. The, the dwarf Napoleon, uh, who had left Barnum's employ a few years earlier, came back and offered a helping hand. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God, you can't say that on the air. The two went on tour again with Tom Thumb doing his thing and Barnum delivering passionate orations on the virtues of teetotaling. Hmm. And they came back, baby. Yeah. This museum, at its peak, got 15,000 new visitors every day. Oh, my God. With 25 cents a head for admission. Jeez. 38 million customers visited this place during its lifetime. At this time, the population of the United States was under 32 million. (laughs) What? So, uh, the the museum blew up. It expanded into four buildings. He hired the Siamese twins Chang and Eng. He hired the god-awful named Man Monkey, William Henry Johnson, a black dwarf who only spoke a language that Barnum fucking invented. (laughs) What? He hired a giantess named Anna Swan and replaced Tom Thumb's empty position with another dwarf named Commodore Nutt, who he took to see Abraham fucking Lincoln. (laughs) What the hell? I know. Uh, During the Civil War, uh, he began to use the museum to display pro-union exhibits and dramas. Hmm. And this is actually when things went sour. Okay. Uh, You see, the Confederates really hated the Union. Uh, Right. I I heard they actually went to war with them at some point, but I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a little much. But anyway, some Confederate sympathizer attempted to set fire to the museum, failed, tried again, and succeeded. Hmm. Uh, It's not so great. Okay. But it is a spectacular tale. (laughs) Uh, The fire was apparently so hot that it boiled the beluga whales alive. (laughs) Flaming animals were jumping from the windows and being shot. By police officers. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. Oh it's awful. Yeah, that's a sentence I just said. There's a story about a fireman named Johnny Denham who charged into the building, killed a flaming tiger with an axe, and saved a 400 pound woman from the blaze. <laughs> So heroism everywhere. (laughs) Can you imagine being that badass and hardcore that you charge into a flaming building, kill a flaming tiger with your axe, and then carry a 400-pound woman out on your back? Jesus Christ. But, you know, it's all terrible, though, because things are now getting pretty bad for Barnum. Yeah. Uh, He doesn't have the money to restart or rebuild. 
So he retires from the freak show business and moves to Delavan, Wisconsin, which is a great choice because Wisconsin is fantastic. It is. Uh, here he starts P.T. Barnum's Grand Traveling Museum, Menagerie, Caravan, and Hippodrome, but quickly hmm. changed the name to P.T. Barnum's Traveling World's Fair, Great Roman Hippodrome, and Greatest Show on Earth. He's got the... These <laughs> names are so long. And after merging with another show, renamed it P.T. Barnum's Greatest Show on Earth, hmm. okay. the Great London Circus, Sanger's Royal British Menagerie, and the Grand International <laughs> Allied Show. United shows United, <laughs> and then it was shortened to Barnum and Bailey's. Okay, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it was actually the first three ring circus. Huh. Uh, the main, oh, wow. the main, yeah. The main attraction was an elephant named Jumbo. Mm. Uh, the store, the show had many of the same attractions as his museum, and it toured the world. He was known for being the first person to ever put a circus on a railroad track. Oh, cool! And then run a train through them. What? <laughs> no. He put them on the train. <laughs> yeah, and then railed uh, them around the world or whatever. Right. But anyway, uh, uh, Barnum was always involved in politics uh, a lot during oh, his whole okay. career. Uh, despite being a huge, huge fan of blackface, uh, he went out of his way to be as anti-slave as possible. Oh, wow, good He for ended him. up leaving the Democratic Party, which at the time was pro-slave, and joined the Republican Party, which was anti-slavery. Hmm. And by the beginning of the Civil War, he had become a leader in the Emancipation Movement. Oh, wow. Yeah. He became a state representative in Connecticut, and is quoted as saying on behalf of the 13th Amendment, amendment that, quote, A human soul that God has created in Christ died for is not to be trifled with. It may tenant the body of a racist term, a Turk, an Arab, or a racist term. Oh, it is still an immortal soul. Well, yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe a little the message is good. He's I guess. a little bit. He's a little bit out of touch with a right. hundred years in the future. <laughs> Two hundred years in the future. Yeah, uh, but hey, the message here was the same. He's yeah. saying that everyone is equal. Yep, which is revolutionary for that time. Sure, gotta say. Um, but anyway, so he also donated a lot of money uh, and Jumbo the Elephant's stuffed body to Tufts University. <laughs> <laughs> Tufts gave Barnum a nod by making Jumbo the school's mascot. Ah. And Tufts students are also called Jumbos now. Jumbos. <laughs> so uh, that's enough about P.T. Barnum for now. How about we move wow. over to Leonard Alfred Funk Jr.'s adult life? But I think we need to take a break yeah, first. I need to recover. I know, my lungs hurt. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back, everybody. <sighs> and we are back to We Talk About Dead People. And when we left off, we were talking about P.T. Barnum. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> and uh, oh, a flaming wow. tiger. <laughs> um <laughs> You can't top that. I'm well, sorry. I, I'm going to let you try. Tell us about yeah. Leonard Alfred Funk Jr.'s adult life. All right. So when we last left Mr. Funk, he was parachuting behind German lines during D-Day. Now, Leonard Funk was not the most imposing of soldiers. Oh. Uh, he was only five feet and five inches tall, Ooh. rather skinny looking, and had a ridiculous mustache. But if I know anything about soldiers in World War II, the mm -hmm. short ones came out on top. No, is right. that <laughs> that's that there's actually a precedent really? for that yeah, a <laughs> okay. lot of a lot of the metal earners were really tiny tiny people <laughs> okay well here we go yeah. so uh oh he also had a sprained ankle what from the jump <laughs> no or before the jump oh my god but he jumped anyway uh yeah, so so he parachutes in with the 82nd airborne the night before d-day uh he gathered up 18 other scare scattered paratroopers and navigated them over 20 miles of the french countryside mm, oui oui <laughs> <laughs> 
the whole time he insisted that he be the lead scout of the expedition, even while having a sprained ankle. Oh! For these actions, Leonard Funk was given the Silver Star. Well, I thought this guy was given the Medal of Honor. This is, uh... I gotta say, James, this is, this is kind of boring so far. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, just wait, you impatient asshole. Oh, sorry. This sorry. is only set up. Okay. So Leonard Funk survived the whole D-Day liberating Northern France thing, okay. and proved to be such a capable leader and warrior that he reached the rank of company's first sergeant from private in only three months. Now, I know nothing about ranks in military. Neither do I. Okay. But it's <laughs> supposedly pretty good. Pretty fast. Pretty, yes. Okay. Uh, uh, he was also given the nickname Napoleon. Well, oh, that's just cheap. <laughs> what, what is it with people being named Napoleon in this episode? I don't know. I don't know. No, one's Tom Thumb, who pretends to be Napoleon. One is like five foot five, and he's called Napoleon. But... I don't know. Okay. Uh, so anyway, during Operation Market Garden, Leonard Funk parachuted into the Netherlands and then gathered two nearby American soldiers to attack a German position. Okay. There was a problem, though. Oh. This German position was actually three positions. Oh, so like the German Kama Sutra. Yeah. <laughs> So it's three positions. Yes, three positions. Uh, three heavily defended, fully manned, 22 millimeter anti-aircraft gun positions. Do you mean 20 millimeter? What did I say? You said 22 millimeter. I said 20. Uh, I mean 20 millimeter. Yeah, yes, 20 millimeter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to read. <laughs> uh, but this did not stop Leonard Funk and his companions, though. Uh, they charged the Germans, and these three guys wiped out every single position. Well, shit. <laughs> yep. And Leonard's little gang did not lose a single guy. For his actions here, Leonard was given the Distinguished Service Cross. That is badass, but that is not a Medal of Honor, sir, and I want a Medal of Honor story! Jesus Christ, on a cross I'm getting to that! God! Uh, So later in the war, in January of 1945, Leonard Funk took part in the famous Battle of the Bulge. Man, he's at all the big ones! Yes, uh, and the Battle of the Bulge, I'm not talking about Aaron's pants whenever (laughs) furries are mentioned. Jesus! (laughs) I'm talking about one There's nothing wrong with being a furry, (laughs) goddammit. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, whatever. Just ask all my friends. <laughs> They're all furries. Except uh, for you. You could be in Barnum's show. Oh, God. <laughs> well, there goes our furry audience. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I gotta leave. Huh? Uh, okay. Uh, so anyway, in the fighting, Leonard's superior officer is killed, so he takes full control of his company. But there's a problem again. Oh, no! <laughs> His company has been hard hit by the Germans and is seriously undermanned. Oh, no! Also, the Germans are attacking, like, right now. So Leonard does the only logical thing. He marches down to the local army clerk's office, storms in, orders all the nerds to get off their typewriters and paper, to pick up a rifle, and to follow him. Oh, wow. And they do. Wow. <laughs> uh, so Leonard Funk decides to then just head-on attack the Germans with this makeshift platoon of 30 army clerks and battered soldiers. Wow, that's really... Mm, it's gonna be a tough fight. Mm, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so then Leonard leads the charge. His aim is to retake a little town that's full of German soldiers. There's a slight problem, though, again. Okay. The town is 15 miles away, and there is snow waist-deep... Uh, waist-deep snow. (laughs) All through these 15 miles. Well... Also, there's a blizzard going on. Ah! Also, German artillery is pounding this whole field. Okay, so basically me on my way to class during college. (laughs) You you went to class in Texas. What are you talking about? Nobody has to know. All right. (laughs) So they charge anyway. (laughs) They charge through the snow and the artillery and make it all 15 miles, and they don't lose a single guy. Wow. Yep. So then Leonard Funk and his motley group of nerds clears the 15 houses full of German soldiers and get this. Whoa. They take over 80 German prisoners. Oh yeah, and they don't lose a single guy. God. Yeah. Funk, man, he really can funk. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So, uh, Leonard leaves four Americans to guard the 80 prisoners, uh, which is kind of a terrible guard-to-prisoner ratio, but whatever, I'm not going to question the fun. Me neither. <laughs> so he leaves four guys to guard the prisoners and leads the other 26 men in another attack. While this is going on, though, a bunch of German soldiers wearing Arctic camo sneak around Funk and his soldiers, free the 80 German prisoners, and take captive the four Americans who were guarding them. Oh, no! Mm -hmm. so we will make you type on our typewriters. <laughs> <laughs> the German accent makes... Oh, God. <laughs> it's back! Uh, no, these Germans don't speak English, and that, that, comes, that comes into the story a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. So, yes. So, Funk does not know any of this is going on, and so he's rather surprised when he and one of his men return to the prisoners, find them all free. About half of these prisoners are armed. They're holding four of his comrades prisoner, and they're probably pretty pissed. So what you're <laughs> telling me is that Funk is funked. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, reportedly, Funk turned the corner of a building and was met by a German officer holding a machine pistol right at Funk's stomach. My gosh. Mm -hmm. So let me pause and just recap the situation. Funk is face-to-face -face with a German officer who has a gun at his tummy. The tummy? Are we like six? <laughs> yes. We are. <laughs> so the few companions Funk has have been disarmed and are being held captive. Funk's Tommy gun, while being loaded, is... Tommy gun? <laughs> with to oh my god. <laughs> uh, while it's loaded, it is slung on his back. And there are like a hundred angry German soldiers with guns facing him. What happens next should never have happened. It is pure insanity. P.T. Barnum! P.T. Barnum! He shows up! He saves the day! <laughs> With his circus? No, no, he doesn't. He rides in a jumbo. He throws frickin' Tom Thumb down on them. <laughs> There's an army of flaming Tom tigers. Thumb. Tom Thumb's got like a 50 cal and he's like firing the shit. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not what happens. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the German officer with his gun on Funk begins to shout at him in German. Ah. Funk doesn't know German, so he doesn't respond. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so the officer yells the same thing louder this time, and Leonard Funk starts to laugh. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, uh, so the officer continued to yell at him, but Funk only laughed harder. <laughs> he later explained that the German language sounded really funny to him, and although he tried to stop, he just couldn't help but keep laughing. <laughs> so Funk keeps laughing harder and harder like a total dumbass. <laughs> And a bunch of the onlooking German soldiers find the whole scene rather amusing, so they begin to laugh too. Oh, that's so funny! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then Funk yells to his captured comrades, I don't understand what he's saying! <laughs> and everybody starts laughing, except this infuriated German officer who only continues to yell more and just, more. I'm just surprised he didn't shoot him. I know. Uh, so then Funk is laughing so hard that he starts to double over and everybody laughs even harder. Oh my god! <laughs> then, in a lightning-fast move, Leonard Funk reaches behind him, swings his Thompson machine gun around, and proceeds to empty his entire 30-bullet magazine point-blank into the German officer. Holy fuck! Yes. <laughs> so the other, other Germans immediately stop laughing no and fire at Funk and the other American with him. Uh, Funk's companion was shot and killed, unfortunately, but Funk did not get shot once. Instead, he reloaded his gun, oh continued God. to shoot at the Germans, and yelled at his captured companions to grab guns and join in on the fray. Oh my God! In a matter of seconds, 21 of the Germans were killed. Holy shit! 20 were wounded, and the rest just threw up their arms and surrendered. Well, I would too. <laughs> Me too. 
Everything, after everything was quiet, uh, Funk started laughing again and shouted to the four other Americans, That was the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Is that a quote? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, and all of this happened in only 60 seconds. Oh my god. And this is why Funk got the Medal of Honor. Well, shit, that's a great story, yeah. I will say. Oh my uh, god. Yeah, and that's that's about it. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well I, that gives P.T. Barnum a run for his money. I, I guess say. so. Um, Jeez. Wow. Okay, so uh, we're going to go back to P.T. Barnum. Yeah, okay. So. Uh, P.T. Barnum's <laughs> end and death. Uh-huh. Uh, P.T. Barnum sat up in his bed and asked about the circus's admissions for the day. Okay. A few hours later, he suffered a stroke and died oh. in bed. And the country mourned. Oh, Wow. That's basically it. That's that, how it ends. That's totally how it ends. The man Jeez. just went from from being a hawkster in New York City to being one of the most famous Americans in the world, and there, there you go. That's it. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how did Leonard Funk die? Hold on, my computer is having issues. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, what? what? It's probably because you vaccinated it. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, Leonard's Funk... Leonard's, Leonard's Funk. <laughs> Leonard Funk's end in death. Uh, after the war, Leonard Alfred Funk Jr. was honorably discharged from the army and then went to work with... Uh, went to work as. He went to work as the regional chief of the Pittsburgh Veterans Affairs Office. Oh. He retired in 1972 and then died on November 20th, 1992 at the age of 76. And he is rightfully buried at the Arlington National Cemetery. Did they just did they just strap a Tommy gun to his <laughs> gravestone or exactly. they have like a laugh track every time someone walks by? <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> what the I mean, he, uh, he won by making the Germans laugh. <laughs> I guess that's the key. Humor is a weapon, everybody. Uh, Germans always fall for it. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, well, I think this uh, is going to be a fairly short episode then. Um, I can't uh, take much more. I can't more. take much more. That's pretty, that's wow. pretty funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, uh, how about we just uh, head back to the surface and call it a day? Uh, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> James, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? I am taking Pickles driving. He's applying for a learner's permit. Uh, a learner? What? How, how can he reach the pedals? He wears stilts. Ah, got it. What are you going to do? I am driving to Canada. I have to win her back, James. Good luck with that. Trust me, I don't need luck. Well, if the status of your relationship has anything to say about it, you really probably need to get lucky soon. <sighs> all this time, I thought a dry spell was magic that made all my liquor disappear. If I know anything at all, it's that you definitely don't need a spell for that. Oh, thanks for reminding me. Gotta hit the liquor store on the way home. It's a Monday. Oh, Jim, don't be naive. Monday is just a Washington conspiracy meant to keep American ah. citizens from drinking themselves to death. You will die at 30. Oh, God, it's so far away. Jesus, get help. Get help from Jesus. <laughs> well, I think it's about time to bring our show to an end for today. Even though it's a little short, uh, feel free to send all your hate mail about that to We Talk About Dead People Podcast at gmail.com. We will read all of it and not along. If you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash We Talk About Dead People. Even as little as a dollar, as much as it costs to tip a platypus for a lap dance, helps tremendously. <laughs> With all that being said, we'll close out the show and let the sweet sounds of death play you out. <laughs>
coming this time. I have invented their ultimate downfall, and now all that it takes is the waiting. <laughs>